Hello, everyone. Welcome to the latest edition of the Talking Pharmacy podcast. My name is Richard Thomas, editor of Pharmacy Magazine, and join me on the pod this week are Neil Trainers, editor of Independent Community Pharmacist, Arthur Walsh, editor of our daily news service, Pharmacy Network News, and Helena Beer, editor of Training Matters. Rob is in Spain on a top-secret mission. Later in the pod, we have another update from Pharmacist Support about its Act Now campaign and our usual Good Week, Bad Week. But first, let's talk Pharmacy Support staff and this year's Recognition of Excellence Awards. So this awards programme is organised by Training Matters and is now in its eighth year and it celebrates the very best of the nation's wonderful pharmacy support teams. Helena, uh, let's go back a year first. So 2020 was a huge success, despite being a little bit different. Uh, The awards were held during the height of the pandemic, um, so held remotely, of course. What were your aims then for 2021? Yeah, thanks, Richard. So obviously last year we had to forego our live ceremony because of the pandemic um, and we celebrated with the finalists in socially distanced style, sending out champagne and food hampers and things like that. So this year we hoped to hold a live event and we had a similar backup plan to last year just in case. Um, But after everything pharmacy teams have been through in the last 18 months or so, we hoped we'd be able to give something back and host a celebration in person to recognize their amazing work. Um, And we were so excited to have been able to have everyone join us. Um, It was such a joyful event. I think everybody in the room would agree. Um, And it was just so good to have everybody back together. Um, And most of the feedback we received from the guests did comment on the fact that um, it was it was so good to be back um, and yeah to see everyone in person as well as to celebrate the amazing work that the pharmacy teams have been doing. Yes it was was great to be back um, really enjoyable event what did you do to the categories this 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 year did you change or adapt them? Yeah, so every year we we tend to change and adapt the categories to reflect how kind of pharmacy practice is changing. Um, And over the years, we've had lots of requests for a pharmacy team of the year category. Um, And we agreed that actually there was a need to recognise the incredible joint efforts and, and the team spirit that that's so often the backbone of a successful community pharmacy. Um, So we launched the Pharmacy Team of the Year Award for 2021. Um, It was our most popular category with 48 eligible entries um, and the standard was incredibly high. Um, I was involved in shortlisting them for the judges and I had to get 48 down to eight. Um, It was so difficult to narrow them down. It really got down to the kind of minute details trying to to work out um, who was more deserving when actually everybody is deserving this year. It was just, yeah, some incredible stories. Um, And it's safe to say that the three finalists in that category did really represent the best of the best. Yeah, some outstanding entries in that that Pharmacy Team of the Year awards, like you say, Helena. What about the, the entries in the other categories? What were they like? Yeah, I think so. Last year's awards saw the record number of entries and this year beat even that. Um, so it's it's really nice to see pharmacy teams really wanting to blow their own trumpets and be recognised for their work. I think after such a difficult time over the last sort of 18 months or so, it's so deserved. And to see people um, not being as humble as usual um, was really good to see. Um 
the categories were inc incredibly um, difficult to separate in terms of all of the entries. Um, some, of, some of our seasoned judges um, commented that it was the toughest year yet to judge. Um, I'd say team leader and rising star were the two closest sport categories. Um, there were some amazing entries and I think for rising star especially, all of the people that entered um, had started their pharmacy journey within the last two years. And so that means most of their journey was within COVID. So um, yeah, the fact that they were doing such amazing things, being so new to the sector when um, there's a global pandemic happening, I think, yeah, that deserves extra recognition. It certainly does. Um, you saw all the entries, didn't you? What finalists stood out the most for you this year? Yeah, so I agreed with um, the judges on this one. So Alison Curtis, who's an accuracy checking technician from um, Day-Lewis Pharmacy, Burnham-on-Sea in Somerset. Um, she won our Customer Care Award um, and was also named the overall Spotlight Award winner. Um, she started her pharmacy career at the age of 16 and she's worked in independent pharmacies um, and some of the biggest chains um, and she settled at uh, this day Lewis Pharmacy just over a year ago when she um, initially entered um, and she said she absolutely loves working there. She comes in every day, does her job and does her best to keep the customers and the staff happy. Um, she gave one incredible example um, of customer care in her entry. Um, so a gentle who came in every Monday for his MDS pack failed to show. So Alison took, took it upon herself to investigate. Um, she drove to his home with uh, one of her pharmacists and she actually found him lying unresponsive on the kitchen floor. Um, so she rang for an ambulance, got help to break into the property and was able to make him feel a bit more comfortable while the paramedics were, were arriving. Um, the diagnosis was a blood clot on his lung and he was actually developing sepsis as well. So it was a truly life-saving intervention. Um, and her story, I think, demonstrates quite simply um, that pharmacy staff make a difference. Um, the judges described uh, Alison as absolutely amazing, outstanding, selfless. Um, and I added inspirational into the mix as well, based on that example. She was such a worthy winner. Um, and listeners can read more about Alison and the rest of the finalists in the ROE Awards supplement, which was sent to print on Wednesday. So it should be um, out in the next week or so. And that was such a lovely project to put together. Um, and the roundup of the day and the finalist stories are definitely worth a read. Um, and we've also just published our awards vlog on the ROE website homepage. So um, do have a look out for that um, for live awards reaction. Uh, thanks, Helena. Well done to you and the, and the TM team there. It was a wonderful event as ever and a massive congratulations to all our finalists and winners. Some wonderful stories there, like you say, Helena, and I found it all truly inspiring. We'd like to take a second out of this week's podcast to tell you about an important learning opportunity. You should be aware that the daily oral contraceptive pill is now available as pharmacy-only medicine. Find out what you need to know to be able to support your customers with our latest e-module. Simply go to pharmacymagazine forward slash Lavima to find out more. Right, let's do a good week, bad week. Um, Neil, who's had a good week or bad week for you? Well, I'm, I'm going to go for a, not really a bad week, but a, more of a 
I say fr- frustrating week, perhaps. Uh, maybe that's even a tad harsh. I'll, I'll let the our listeners decide. But um, I've gone for the PSNC um, purely because I, 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 we're told that um, uh, they're interviewing for Simon Dukes's uh, replacement as chief executive, um, and that's an ongoing process. And they wanted somebody in place. I, I believe they said they wanted somebody in position th- this month. And I, I think they're pushing it if they're going to meet that deadline. But um, I, I, the reason fr- frustration, well, I, I, I put a few questions to them um, because and I'm interested to hear what you guys think. But I, I, I felt that, you know, contractors have a right to know, um, pro- you know a bit of progress um, on, on, on where they're. And where, where the talks, where, where you know, where the interviewing has got, has got to so so far, and uh, I asked them questions like, you know, how many people have they interviewed so far? How many people are in the running for the for the job? Broadly, you know, what kind of backgrounds are the people being interviewed from? What industries are they from? Um, if not, if if they haven't started interviewing, when will they start interviewing? How many people does it intend to interview? Um, and and probably most crucial question of all, you know, when. Will somebody actually be in, in post buy? I think PSNC vaguely said it would be some sometime this month in October. But um, I, these are questions I've, I felt that um, it, it would be good to get some answers to. And I know that, you know there are certain things they can say and they can't say. But um, you know it, it wasn't really the answers weren't particularly um, forthcoming. And, and I my own view was that I thought it was a little bit disappointing, frustrating for us journalists uh, journalists because we want our answers to, to questions like that. Um, but I'm putting myself in the shoes of a, of a of a contractor, and I would like to know what's going on, where 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 we are. So frustrating week, I think. PSNC. They don't care about us journalists, Neil. I mean, he's he's only just left, hasn't he? Though um, Simon Dukes, and I, I guess these things have got to take a, a little bit of time to work through the process, don't they? Well, yeah, true. But um, uh, I, I, was it September? He, he was due to leave, uh, so he's all. Going yeah, based on that, he's already left uh, September, and I think they, I think if I'm not mistaken, I think the PSNC said that they wanted somebody in in, in position as the new chief executive this month, October. So yeah, you're right, you're right. These things do take time, um, but I'm just going on what the PSNC said. I hadn't realised they'd um, they'd said they want someone in post by October. Arthur, did you think Neil's a bit bit harsh then? I do think he's being a bit harsh. I mean, I can see where he's coming from, being a bit sort of frustrated and wanting answers to his questions but I can put myself in their shoes and that you want to sort of have an outward show of strength I think I think that their line at the moment is that everything is being handled by the executive team and there is no um, dip in the service to contractors around it and that's just the line they want to stick to until someone's in the post I mean if they get into oh we're interviewed and it's not going so great or we've interviewed x people but we're interview x more people it kind of I don't know. I I can understand why they have a very simple line and they're sticking to. Yeah, I mean, you 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 don't do your recruitment in public, really. I mean, it's 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 not like X Factor, but uh, I, Neil, I can see you want to get you get back in. Come on, I'll give you the final word on this, Neil. Well, the other thing is, it should be like X Factor. I think it'd be great. But um, <laughs> you could almost have a you could almost have a, 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 a you know a Ladbrokes betting spread, could you? Who's uh, who's most likely to get the job? But um, I, I, the only point I was going to make at the end was just that maybe it's all academic because perhaps contractors don't care. I mean, maybe there is that did cross my mind as well. Maybe they don't care who's in post because they probably wouldn't would never have heard of the person who eventually gets the job anyway. And they don't. All they want is somebody that's going to do a, a brilliant job for them. They don't they don't care who it is. So maybe it's all. <laughs> Oh, academic.
that's certainly the top of uh, of contractors' minds. I suppose they just want someone who could could lead the PSNC through what's going to be a, a, another challenging year of negotiations. Uh, but that was good, Neil. Thanks for that. I, I enjoyed that. Arthur, um, what about you? Who's had a good week or a bad week? A good week uh, this time around for Alison Strath, who is Scotland's chief pharmacist. She was made permanent the role in the role in August after I think a year. Um, holding it on an interim basis. Um, I had a chat with her last month just about sort of her experience today and her plans for the sector going forward. And it's uh, published in the October edition of Pharmacy Magazine, which I believe will be available at the Pharmacy Show this weekend and in all good pharmacies uh, from, from then on. Um, but yeah, it was just a wide-ranging chat. Um, she was very sort of very open, very insightful. Um, some standout things um, that some standout things I thought was the emphasis on workforce. She said that's very much her main priority is to sort out um, to make sure that there is you know a ha- happy, healthy, uh, professionally fulfilled workforce, and that people are in, are in the right uh, places, as in the right sectors of pharmacy, fulfilling the the, the top of their license. Um, which of course led me to ask about, well, you know, recently Community Pharmacy Scotland said, shouldn't we stop uh, community pharmacists being recruited to general practice because it's really, uh, it's really, um, it has a potential to really hobble community pharmacies. Well, she sort of, she denied that the problem is as, as acute as they claim. She acknowledged there was a sort of big migration problem, but she said that, um, health board directors are very much on top of this and um, in her words sort of growing a bespoke primary care general practice primary care pharmacist workforce so interesting to see how that sort of uh, problem uh, develops if it sort of if it sort of falls into place as as she seemed to hope it would um, by virtue of the fact that you know community pharmacy roles are becoming a bit more clinical um, she seemed to think that would um, stem off some of the the the, the migration that, that we've seen happen um she, we also talked a little bit about the very controversial issue of um uh, temporary closures of pharmacies which appears to be particularly bad in scotland she said she was um that, that, that the scottish government was exploring whether health boards need to be given additional powers to deal with uh, persistent offenders um, which there, there, there does appear to be some um, chains who um, have closed uh, closed pharmacies on a number of occasions. And sometimes the health boards don't even know until after the fact, which is, you know, it's very worrying for uh, worrying on all fronts. But um, it seemed to be uh, something that was on her radar and that she was looking to, um, to, to looking to grapple with. Um, a good um, so yeah, it was just a good good chat with um, with Alison Strath. I think worth reading and also relevant today. We're talking on on the Thursday, the fourteenth, um, because Sajid Javid has said that he's thinking of making the community pharmacist consultation service a bit more like Pharmacy First Scotland. So bypassing some of that kind of uh, having to talk to a GP first before before seeing a pharmacist. So um, yeah, so so case of scotland leading the way again i guess um and uh, and maybe sort of coming full circle to where people thought 
we should have been a, f- a few years ago before CPCS was even was even drafted. You know, people were saying, why not have just a a proper, um, fully kitted out minor ailment service for, for England rather than this uh, referral pathway thing. So uh, another interesting one to watch. Yeah, um, full circle, full circle uh, indeed, Arthur. Uh, it's a great interview, great interview, actually, you, you did with Alison. Um, and yeah, it will be in the October Pharmacy Magazine and uh, on the website as soon as we, we can get it up, pharmacymagazine.co.uk. Um, yeah, workforce, very much a number one priority is what, what I took from, from the interview. Um, I quite liked... Uh, she referred to pharmacy, I think, as a, an, an eco, ecosystem. And she said, if we pinch it in one place, uh, we'll feel it in another. And I thought that was a, a good way of looking at it. And, and like you say, Arthur, it's interesting that she said she she didn't really believe that there are a large numbers of pharmacists switching to general practice right now, maybe because the role is, is seen to be being more clinically in Scotland. Um, anyway, yeah, so uh, a really good read. So uh, look out for that. Right, I'll finish off quickly. I'm going to do a triple, a triple header, a triple good week for, um, well, first of all, pharmacies delivering flu jobs in England, record numbers. Uh, in six weeks, just six weeks, pharmacies in England have vaccinated more than 1.8 million people. That's a 30% increase on the same time last year. And if we keep that up, the sector's on track to to deliver in a record 3 million flu jabs this winter. It's great work, everyone. Keep it up. Um, Pharmacy flu vaccination service really is a a jewel in the crown for the sector. We could do so much more with vaccinations, as we mentioned on the pod before. Um, My second good week, uh, it's a good week as well for employees at Well, who have gone to the Well once more. Because, yeah, pharmacists and pharmacy team leaders they're going to receive £150 and other t- uh, staff members are going to receive £100 as a, a thank you uh, for their commitment, resilience and hard work, I'm quoting here, throughout the pandemic. And it's the second recognition payment uh, that the company has made this year. It said it's paid out uh, over £700,000 in, in thank you payments over the last 12 months. So um, multiple employers have been getting a bit of stick recently uh, over working condition, working conditions. So I think well should be um, applauded for this. And finally, uh, well, it's a good week for GPs, isn't it? Now, Arthur touched upon this. Um, GPs, the beneficiaries of what's been called a a £250 million winter rescue package, which was announced today on Thursday. And this is all about trying to secure access and build capacity for for same-day appointments. But it does include implementation support for the CPCS as part of that. And and we've talked about this many times. That's much needed. I think only about 800 GP practices are signed up to the CPCS out of, what, six or 7,000 GP practices in total. So there's much work to be done here. Um, Nothing for pharmacy. Um, No money for pharmacy. No one, and I'm not going to begrudge any money that's been found for general practice, but it does seem yet again that pharmacy teams on the front line have been forgotten, uh, which is a disgrace, really. They worked really hard in the past 18 months. It's taken its toll on the sector financially, emotionally, and, and just looking at some of the comments on Twitter this week, you know, people are, are running on empty now, and I, I just don't know why the government can't see that. So... Some good weeks, 
but a little bit of a bad week uh, as well. Neil, what did you make of of that little collection? Yeah, very, um, in complete agreement, Richard. And, and uh, just reminded me um, specifically. I'm, I'm talking about COVID booster jabs and phase three, and, I, and uh, really an appeal. I'd appeal to, to particularly my readership, the independents, uh, to get in touch if they have struggled to. Um, you know, if they've just not had the support to, to, to get involved in phase three or, or they've had stumbling blocks, all kinds of hurdles and, and not being able to, do, to, to get involved. I, I'd like personally, I'd like to hear from my readers what those are, what the stumbling blocks are, why they've had, what, where there's been a lack of support, why there's been a lack of support, uh, because we have had, uh, seen some reports of uh, pharmacists, independents who desperately want to get involved in, in, in phase three, COVID boosters, and they've not had the support. So we, we just want to, I'd like to hear from my readers, the more the, merit, the more the better. And if they could get in touch with me, I, I'd really like to hear what, why they've not had the support they, they deserve to, to do that. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, get get in touch with Neil. I mean, I think Jeremy Meader from Newmark was quoted this week as saying that this is such a missed opportunity. I think only one in 10, did he say? I'm speaking from memory here, pharmacies are likely to be successful with with, with their phase three applications. I mean, they, I don't think anyone's actually got the, the final figures. Neil, do you know how many pharmacies are involved in phase three COVID boosters? Well, it's interesting because uh, we've I've put this question to uh, NHS England uh, uh, via a freedom of information request and um, they have not got, got back to us, and uh, which is disappointing. Something we'll be pursuing, um, but we've asked them point blank, uh, you know, how many, how many applications have you received from... Uh, uh, pharmacies, community pharmacies, to get involved, no answer. And uh, how many? And even more pertinently, how many have been have been successful? It'd be nice to know how many successful. Again, no answer. But this is something we want answers to, and we'll be we'll be press, pressing NHS England in the coming coming weeks. Okay, um, and yeah, and just before I finish, just to pick up on on what Arthur said, really about um, those press reports about an English equivalent uh, of Scotland's pharmacy first scheme and and it does like Arthur said it does seem like we've gone round in in a full circle and maybe this is the route we should have gone down before but I mean this was all um, um, quotes from uh, from the health secretary in today's press um, we shall see if anything comes out of it so, as regular listeners to the pod will know, Pharmacist Support's Act Now Wellbeing campaign is running throughout the month. Week four of the campaign is all about keep learning. And here's Chief Executive Daniel Hunt to tell us more. Hi everyone, it's Danielle Hunt here. I'm a Chief Exec of a professions charity, Pharmacist Support, and I'm here to share your weekly Act Now catch-up. Tomorrow marks the start of week four of our Act Now Wellbeing campaign. The theme this week is Keep Learning. We'll be focusing on how gaining new knowledge, developing skills and having new experiences can give you direction and purpose, boost your self-esteem and confidence. We're delighted as part of Keep Learning Week to be launching our new wellbeing learning platform that will enable individuals to take control of their own wellbeing journeys. Across the week, we'll be sharing great resources that touch on assertiveness, anxiety and having difficult conversations. We'll be showing a wellbeing in the workplace pack to help you and your team identify and work through stressful periods. We'll also be discussing the science behind wellbeing practice in our weekly wellbeing chat with the charity's resident wellbeing expert, Melissa, and a panel of guests. Don't miss out. It's not too late to sign up and receive free wellbeing resources direct to your inbox for you and your team, as well as access to our new wellbeing learning platform. 
Visit pharmacistsupport.org to find out more. Daniel Hunt there. And as Danielle said, all the details for the Act Now campaign are at pharmacistsupport.org. So that's it for another week. My thanks to Helena, Neil and Arthur. All the Talking Pharmacy podcasts can be found on the Pharmacy Magazine website and from your usual podcast provider. Just search for Talking Pharmacy. We'll be at the Pharmacy Show this weekend, so come and say hello to us there. If you see us on the stand, we'll be chairing some of the sessions as well, so come up and have a chat. Um, But for now, as far as the pod is concerned, we'll be back next week. Thanks very much for listening.